talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Friday game preview. Doug Lamarie, Nathan Baird, Stephen Beans, Ohio State, Rutgers, and guys, I do feel like over the years, we have done a pretty good job of trying to make Rutgers interesting. We've talked about swamp monsters. We've talked about recruiting in New Jersey, and I'm out. This is not going to be that. Nathan, I got nothing left. There's no more way to make Rutgers interesting. And there's actually the Big Ten is working against us here because last week Rutgers played Iowa. And the only way to make Rutgers less interesting is to have the game before the Ohio State game be against Iowa's offense, which just drags down everything. So if you're looking, I'm just going to tell you, people, listen, you're loyal Buckeye Talk listeners. We'd love you. We'd love you when you're here. Our numbers are great. We're feeling great about the pod. This isn't going to be one of the best ones, but it's Jim Delaney's fault, Nathan. And I'm already, I started off being bored at the beginning of this podcast. And now I'm already angry again that it's this week and we have to talk about Rutgers again. And there's nothing left. The tank is empty. I I apologize. I mean, here's really all you need to know about Rutgers is that their defense could hold Iowa. And I say hold with a very liberal meaning because you don't have to really hold Iowa's offense to anything, but held Iowa's offense to 277 total yards and a one of nine performance on third down and lost by 17 points at home. That's what we're dealing with. Well, they also, they didn't, as you said, they didn't hold anything because Iowa scored twice on defense. They had a pick six and they had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. So the Iowa offense as awful as it is, didn't even get to be on the field because Rutgers couldn't competently hold on to the ball to even make Iowa try to drive it. Because as we know, the only person holding down the Iowa offense is Brian Ferentz. It is not Rutgers. It is not anybody else. So, so Kirk, by Kirk, Kirk yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So Kirk Ferentz by relation, literally. Yeah. No, I guess it's not. It's like, it's, it's not, It's not the kid's fault, right? If your child bites another kid on the playground, you bear responsibility for that as a parent. The first time. At home, you should be working on not biting, right? Let's work on not biting. So the parents' offense should be working on, let's, Brian, hey, can we come over to the homework table? Let's sit down. Let's drop a third down play. Last week, we were one of nine on third down. Show me what you got. Let's work it out. Show your work. Well, dad, what if the tight end did this? It's always a tight end, Brian. You have to do. Uh, the other thing, I, I was set up a field goal last week. They ran like a, basically a go route with their tight end. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm mad that <laughs> Iowa and Rutgers existed as a game. They put out Sam Laporta, who might be the best tight end in the big 10. They just flanked him out as a receiver by himself on the left, like he's Marvin Harrison Jr., like he's next receiver. And he just ran past a corner for like a 45-yard gain. It was like their best offensive play, and they couldn't even cash that in. They had to kick a field goal. So that's 17 of their 27 points. It was – I call it – I I came up with – this is my new acronym, Nathan, for games like that. It's G-I-O. Hey, what was that matchup like? G-I-O, man. It's game in oatmeal. 
It looks like that. You watch the highlights of that game. It looks like it's in slow motion. We, we took a vat because I like my oatmeal thick. We put too much water in the oatmeal. No good. You have to have a nice thick oatmeal. It looked like they were in oatmeal up to their hips trying to run through that, Nathan. It's a different yeah. sport. Rutgers versus Iowa. So, like, I don't – please, we can't. I know you texted it out, 614-350-3315, that Ryan Day was talking about, well, you know, Rutgers held Iowa. It wasn't holding. They were drowning in their no, no, no. own incompetence. There wasn't – there's nothing – please, please, we just – we can't take anything that Rutgers did and try to twist it into some kind of positive because they took on the fight in Ferences last week. Well, the one of nine on third downs is still something, regardless of how many times they had the ball. But he didn't say he didn't say hell. That was I added those stats. He just said he thinks this is the best defense that they've had since Shano came back, which doesn't mean anything if you've had a terrible defense before. I, I thought the best commentary because we're running out of ways to demean the <laughs> Big Ten West. And I thought Mitch Rossi swept in and had a good one this week when people were asking him about. Oh, did you think about like, you know, leaving, going somewhere where they like use the fullback more? He's like, yeah, I used to watch Iowa and Wisconsin and they'd have like two or three fullbacks per game like that they were using. And I think, wow, that would be a lot of fun. And I'm like, what's the most like damning with faint praise way to just say that the Big Ten West is locked in the 1950s than Mitch, what Mitch Rossi was saying this week about the fullbacks. So your point is is well taken. Uh, that Iowa's only method of scoring still is to somehow keep lucking into defensive touchdowns, which by the way, it does like it. It's they're like, the, there was one year where the bears. I remember had this defense that just, it seemed like they were scoring a defensive touchdown every game. And somehow Iowa has been doing that for like a year and a half now. And you think it's not going to last, but it better because if not, it's going to be field goals. And that's it for all those kids that are watching that game. And, and here's the problem. Here's the problem we now have. You just did two minutes on Iowa, and we still have to do Iowa later. Yeah. We still have yeah. – no. Ohio State's playing both the teams that played each other last week. We're try, We're dealing with Rutgers. <sighs> Pass. But that's the thing. That's the thing, though. It's Iowa is just Rutgers West, but because they're in the West, it doesn't look as bad. Their defense is better than Rutgers, but yes. I mean, Iowa – no, we can't. Ryan Day said this is the best. That's where we are. Ryan Day was also. Hold on, hold on. on. First of all, first of all, Ryan Day also spent a lot of time last week hyping up Graham Mertz just for him to be king of the noodle arms. So, like, with all due respect to Ryan Day being nice to his opponents, we don't have to be nice to his opponents. We don't actually have to play them. That's fair. I I just think, as you have many times pointed out, the Iowa Wisconsin defensive experience can sometimes get propped up by the Big Ten West offensive experience. So I'm Correct. not so sure that, they, that Iowa and Rutgers aren't somewhat close performance-wise. But also, you mean defensively or mean, you mean overall? Defensively, defensively, defensively. And I, I, when you talk about, like again, when you factor in like the coaching on top of that too, I think Greg Schiano is legitimately a decent coach. Um I mean, right now, Rutgers, again, it's it's four games, and one of them was Iowa, and the rest of them were bad teams too, I think. But they're allowing like 4.1 yards of play or something like that. Now, that's obviously going to like double after Ohio State gets done with them, but still, like there, there's something happening defensively with this team. 
See, now at I'm their now, level. At their now, level. Now I'm in a position of defending Rutgers. I mean, like, because Rutgers didn't force three turnovers last week against a terrible quarterback, right? I mean, Iowa, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, the, the fumble recovery for a touchdown, like, the, the dude came in and crushed the guy and forced the ball loose and they returned it. You can see them, like, just in coverage. The guy made a good read when Iowa had the pick six. And, like, they, they, they do do some good things. And I do, you know, there's no Riley Moss on Rutgers. So um, now we're, now I feel bad for Iowa. But now we have to, it's not Iowa week, it's Rutgers week. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the, the Rutgers people that maybe you should know about. Uh, we're going to make our picks at the end of this. It is down, the line has come down. It opened at 41. As I look here Thursday afternoon, it's down to 39 and a half. It opened at a 60 point over under, it's down to a 58 point over under. I have a very specific thing that I am super curious about for this game. It's the one and only thing. And of course it has nothing to do with Rutgers, but when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the players in the field. You need to know what's up with Ohio state. The latest news on that next on Buckeye talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, 614-350-3315. Read our stuff at cleveland.com slash OSU. We'd love to see you over there checking out what we are writing. Nathan, what's the latest? Ryan Day had his radio show Thursday afternoon. He does a quick lightning round with reporters Thursday afternoon. You guys get a bunch of interviews with players on Wednesday night. What's the state of the Buckeyes right now? Because, of course, that's actually what matters. So obviously we were trying to gauge who's actually going to be on the field this weekend. Uh, Denzel Burke, Ryan Day says, is, quote, ready to roll and will be playing on Saturday. That he said the injury last week occurred, it was too soon after it occurred, is the phrase he used. And was a follow-up did not come as to whether that meant the injury or a potential correction to the injury occurred that too close to game time. But regardless... He was, it was too close to whatever event for him to be able to play through that last week against Wisconsin, even though he had gone out and tried to warm up. Lathan Ransom also expected back. We saw him after practice yesterday. I think that's been kind of the expectation along. It sounded like he was going to be able to play. Uh, no update on Cam Brown or Jackson Smith at Jigba. But as far as getting some depth back in the secondary, they said that he thinks they're optimistic that that's going to happen. But he also said that. Jair Brown and J.K. Johnson expect to play, quote, significant time, regardless of Burke coming back and I guess even potentially Brown coming back, although the way he's talking, that that doesn't sound super optimistic. And obviously, we already talked about Jordan Hancock possibly still being a, a ways off. So I, it sounds like Brown, uh, Jair Brown and J.K. Johnson will be in the mix for snaps, regardless of who else we see on Saturday, which you expected probably to happen if the Rutgers game goes according to plan anyway. But if those are your top three, I think it could be a thing where maybe Burke stays out there and those other two rotate, or you get into even some kind of three-man rotation if you have to keep Burke on a pitch count. They have potentially two more awful opponents ahead with Northwestern and Indiana. Uh, The first road trip for Ohio State is next week at Michigan State. Then they're off. 
Then it's home Iowa at Penn State, at Northwestern, home Indiana, and then at Maryland, and then Michigan. So, Stephen, they 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 do have, I think, a few more opportunities to maybe play some younger guys. I, I think the games will be in hand against Northwestern and Indiana. Uh, this remains a, a game where they clearly, if there are guys on the fence from an injury standpoint, you certainly don't need them to beat Rutgers. How would you expect that maybe Ryan Day and, and Ohio State should handle this, right? With whether it's playing backups or more specifically, whether it's, you know, guys who have been out, is there a reason to bring them back against Rutgers? From a backup standpoint, I do think Day would like to have a game where some of those backups can get extended time. Because I remember back in 2019 when they had like five or six games when backups were getting so much time and how he raved on how that kind of prepared them for 2020 because so many guys had already played so many reps the year before. Guys like Harry Miller, who had good moments that year, seven banks, even if he wasn't a first round. A lot of guys like that. Uh, That hasn't necessarily happened to the same extent this year. Um, for a lot of different reasons. They haven't put teams away that quickly, but also they've just been sticking with the starters a lot more often. So we haven't seen as much Kyle McCord. I think he would like to get Kyle McCord a little bit more. This seems like the game to do that. But as far as guys who are on the fence, I think Cameron Brown and Jackson Smith, the Jigman, you can look at kind of differently just because the cornerbacks haven't been as good this year. Ohio State doesn't need Jackson Smith, the Jigman to be Rutgers. And I don't even know if they need him to be. No, I know they don't need him to beat Michigan State. So the question is, if he's like, 95% do you just sit him over the next two weeks and get him through the bye week and then you bring him back for the second half of the season especially now that you've seen Marvin Harrison Jr. Emeka Buga and even Julian Fleming have proven to be quality options for you what do you think Nathan let Jackson take this one off again still I mean especially I a trip to Michigan State is different than Rutgers at home I mean, like, I know Michigan State has not looked great, but, like, yeah. this is this is a team. Rutgers has not stayed within 40 points of Ohio State since they entered the league. It, it does feel like, like, why why would Jackson Smith and Jacob play on Saturday? What, what would be the sense in that? I mean, if they stayed within three touchdowns or whatever in 2020, just to correct the record, but, yes, more or less within 40 points since they got in the league, yes. Um, I mean, all ever since last week and the way that developed, I assumed that – JSN would take off not only this week, but also the Michigan state game, because then following that you've got a bye week or the off week. So now you're giving him three weeks off and only costing yourself two more games. I think that is probably the the course of action that I would expect at this point, just the way they've talked about it, sort of the body language around it and wanting to have him. Well, they tried it. I I think they feel like they, you know, I, we know we are around this team enough that I think, you know, the, the medical personnel are, are legit and that Ryan Day leans on them. And they cleared him to play in that Toledo game, and obviously there was a setback. So I think now you're doing every possible thing you can to avoid that setback. And if that means resting him longer than you normally would. I mean, again, the off week sitting out there buys you that extra week, and that's what I would expect at this point. Do we know that it's a hamstring, or do we just think that it's a hamstring? C.J. Stroud said it was a hamstring, but there's been no – Outside of okay. the QB one second, no one has ever actually confirmed. Well, I trust. Well, that's good enough and, for me. CJ's no, good. there's, but there's also been like the the network access has reported yeah. that it's a hamstring. Okay. Well. so it's a hamstring. So I mean, that is one of those. That's different than a ligament, right? That's different than that. That is a thing where like just rest, 
like just rest and not putting it to the test is going to make it better over time. Right. So, I mean, that kind of thing of, and then you think you're okay. And then you push it and all of a sudden yeah. you re-aggravate it. That, that is one of those where, cause sometimes, you know, I think even like with CJ last year, it's like, well, if you rest his shoulder, I guess that's good, but like, it's still going to be there when he's done being rested. So then he ends up having the procedure, right. That that's, so this is. Soft tissue is always like rest and not coming back too early. Yeah. Because it seems like that's what happened with Toledo is that everybody, including him, thought he was ready to go. And then like, what, like the 11 snaps into it. It's like, nope. Yeah. So I I think that would, you know, again, you just, you err on the side of extra rest. By the way, my tissue, absolutely the softest. You would not believe it. Oh my gosh. Supple. So much, there's so much give, you know, I mean, like if, if my soft tissue was ever put to the test, it would be ready to go, but that's why it's so soft because it never has been put to the test. So we know JSN, that's our assumption. What a good thing. Uh, here's who I want to see. Let's get Kyle, Kyle McCord some reps that matter. So I, I had an issue. I could not attend the Tuesday news conference. Obviously this came up, Stephen, you wrote uh, a short piece about it. Um, I don't know what Ryan Day, when we have not talked about it here, like, I don't know what Ryan Day is talking about. Like any implication, Nathan, right? That like, hey, we don't want to have Kyle McCord throw the ball too much in blowouts because we're trying to take it easy on Big Ten opponents is ridiculous to me. If you share TV money, and I already ran about this, you share TV money, then like you take what you get. This is not doing it to Toledo, Arkansas State. Ryan Day thought it mattered that C.J. Stroud had never thrown a pass until he was the starting quarterback. They have to get him reps. I think as much as we've talked about, we still get a lot of questions about why they keep the starters in. I certainly have a very clear opinion on that. They're here to play. You got to do it. I, I think most of the time play three quarters at the very least and then see what happens. I think this might be the opportunity, Nathan, for Kyle McCord to play a real half of football that actually matters. And you put him out there. Maybe you put him out there with the ones a little bit, but let's see. I want to see this guy. I want to see him play real reps where you're not worried about hurting people's feelings. And to me, maybe this is the best opportunity for that. Nathan, what do you want to see from Kyle McCord this week? And I want both of you guys, what did you think of the way Ryan day sort of explained, like not rubbing it in on big 10 teams? Yeah, I I'm not a fan of that either. I don't, it's not a consideration I would have. And there's also, as the game gets later, that, that calculus changes maybe a little bit. Like you're already up 52 to 21. You probably don't need to be, have your, you know, your ones in running vertical routes in the final minutes of the fourth quarter, I suppose. But even there, it, it, to me, it's like, okay, well, like, stop us. Like, do you want, you, you know, you're putting your backups in too. Don't you want them to play real football? And there's people, there are hundred some thousand people there that just paid to, and not all of them are still there, obviously, at that point of the game, but they paid to watch real football too. They didn't just pay to to watch uh, guys just crash into the line and, and try to run a clock out. So, but more to the point, like, you're right, that they got through 2020 and all of a sudden 2021 starting and they're like, whoops, nobody's ever thrown a pass. Like, you can't allow circumstances to put you in that situation again. 2020 was especially screwed up because of the way the schedule went. And because the few times they should have really blown somebody out, including Rutgers, things got a little screwy and it didn't pan out. So they have to create the circumstances. And and some of that is getting off to a really strong start and being up, you know, 35 to three at halftime or whatever, and not 
28 to seven, where you feel like you still have to keep your starters in. Uh, but, but some of it is just maybe uh, making the call and listen, you are preparing comic cord to have to be your starter. If something were to happen to CJ Stroud. So just pretend something happened to CJ Stroud. And now he's got to finish the game. You can also, you don't have to call play action, throw the ball 60 yards down the field with comic cord. There are play calls you can call to where he's still getting action but he's just running the normal offense. They did that against Toledo. That 72-yard pass to Jaden Ballard wasn't a 60-yard pass. It was just a normal routine throw that Jaden Ballard's also just better than the defensive back covering him, so he took it 72 yards. But I think the best way for this to happen, Nathan kind of hit on it. CJ Stroud those five touchdowns in the first half. They're up 35-3 to three or 42-7 to seven or whatnot. You get him one more series in the second half because he's definitely not pulling him at halftime. And then that second series coming out in the third quarter is the Kyle McCord show. And run, I would like to see him with the ones. Like mm-hmm. I, I like you, you always, yeah. you, can't, you can't keep your starting quarterback in with the second team offensive line. Right. So when you go to the second team offensive line, you go to the second team quarterback. I would like to see maybe two drives with the first team offense, but with Kyle McCord. I would like to see, again, like a simulation of a brief alien abduction of C.J. Stroud. Let's run the offense. with. Let's have him throw to Marvin Harrison Jr. and have yeah. Paris Johnson Especially block the I want to see that. Especially those weapons because, quite frankly, all the weapons that are out there right now are going to be Colin McCourt's weapons. Yes. So, yes. That, that, he can't just be getting – chemistry with Jaden Ballard because he's not the only guy he's going to be throwing yes. to next year. Well, so it's, we, let's go. It's a, let's so do like, this. And some of this is like, you got to get CJ as Heisman numbers. Cause that's what, that's his biggest, you know, case in point is his Heisman numbers. So the quicker CJ gets those numbers, the quicker they can get him out the game. Yeah. But every, every Heisman quarterback has some games like this where they only play half and then put up whatever they put up and then they sit down because they blew a team out by enough. And I, the, for, for me, for Kyle McCord, sure, it's a nice benefit to get him on the field with Ohio State's ones. How about getting him on the field with any other Big Ten team's number one defense? I think that is an important step for him, too, that some of this is it is an afterthought. And, yeah, you know, they get the 72-yard touchdown pass, like, but who was on the field still for Toledo at that point? Like, even if you, with good reason, consider Rutgers to be in a lower tier, like getting him on the field with their ones is still the best he's faced since the one game he got to play against Akron and probably better than that. And this feels like the best chance to do that to me, because again, by the time you get to Northwestern Indiana, now that's later in the year, they do stink, but now it's in November and now you're trying to make sure you're ready to roll for the Michigan game like this. This is, I think the last best chance to give Kyle McCord two or three series that are real. And then, you know, let him play the entirety of the fourth quarter against the twos. So like, I, I would like, I'm, always in favor of let the starters play through three quarters. But like, this is the game where I take one out of 12 and I, and I'd like to see Kyle McCord. I just got, I hate it. Why are we care about feelings? How, how can you care? Whose feelings? Wisconsin's like literally the third best or maybe the second best program in the big 10 in the last 10 years behind Ohio state and Ohio state can't let Kyle McCord run a real offense against Wisconsin because Wisconsin's feelings might be hurt. Wisconsin's like the 14th best program in college football. Who is Ohio state allowed to play 60 minutes against? I'm done. I can't, I can't even believe Ryan day said it. It's Wisconsin. What? Who cares? 
what are we doing? The Big Ten just signed a gazillion dollar TV contract on Ohio State's back. And they can't even play a full 60 minute game because the second best team in the league might have its feelings hurt. Nathan, I hate feelings. Listen, it, it, if this was like the high school level, I get it. And they even have rules at the high school level where the clock starts and runs or whatever. They should. Love that rule. They, they should. They did it in Indiana. 30, 30 points in Ohio, I think it is. Yep. They, they didn't in Indiana when I covered high school sports there, and it was a fiasco. So, I, yes, this is this is a different thing. And like I was saying before, it's, it's, it's guys who have earned this right. It's people who've paid to see real football. Uh, it, it, it isn't it, even though there, it, it is still amateur technically, it, it's a different thing. It's a different animal. And Ohio state needs to know what Kyle McCord looks like against another real defense. It's almost the payment. It's like, Hey, we'll share some of our money that we earned yes, with you. Yes, yes. And you have to take this 60 point beating. Right. It's like they're they're all buy games, in a way. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so aggravating. I it's like I, when you yeah, it's like when you it's like when they pay like the MAC team to come get beat by seventy. Except it's not like direct. You don't get into the end of the year but, when the team that, revenue comes. But in. that I, that's so different to me because that is yeah. no. But there's an obvious difference between a MAC team and Ohio State. But if you're in the same conference. Wisconsin the has the chance yeah. to be as good as Ohio State. There's nothing. There's nothing structural about it. With the MAC, it's structural. Your athletic department doesn't have enough money. Your your facilities mm. aren't as good. So we're paying you to come get beat, and then you know we're not going to be jerks about it. Be a jerk to Wisconsin. Be a jerk to Rutgers. Play your players and let them play. I want to see five real series out of Kyle McCord. Two of them with the ones. That's what I want. It's not Ohio State's fault that Wisconsin brought a MAC team. To Ohio Stadium. <laughs> yeah, <guess. laughs> it's true. Okay, so I'm aggravated about that. Uh, so I'm also aggravated about about this. So I don't even know who Rutgers has. I try to be more informed about opponents. I used to come on this podcast and say, I don't know anybody on any other team because I don't cover any other team. So I try to be more informed than that now. I don't know anybody on Rutgers. They got Cruikshank. I like that name. But it almost aggravates me. Isaiah Pacheco is on the Kansas city chiefs right now. He was a seventh round pick and he went into camp and had like a great camp with the chiefs and the chiefs still had had still have Clyde Edwards, Alaire. they have Jarek McKinnon. And, but Pacheco is like, it was a guy that like a lot of the NFL insiders when they, Oh, you go to Kansas city's camp and they're talking about Isaiah Pacheco. And I'm like, Isaiah Pacheco, what are we talking about? Who is this seventh round guy from Rutgers? that people think might be the Chiefs' starting running back by the end of the year. And my point, Nathan, is that even when Rutgers has good players, we don't even know it because they don't know what to do with him. So I feel less bad about not knowing anything about Rutgers' current players because I didn't know squat about Isaiah Pacheco, and it turns out he might be earning time with Patrick Mahomes. So I have some Isaiah Pacheco stats that I want to talk about briefly. But you always do a thing, Nathan, five opponents to watch. Who are we watching? Who are we watching? Who are we talking about? Who are we eating food with? Who are we thinking about? Rutgers version. What is it? Well, I think we'll be watching Rutgers punter a lot. And not because <laughs> they stink. Well, they do. And they yeah. he will punt a lot, most likely. But it seems Adam Corsak is one of the best punters in the country. He came through the same pro kick Australia program as Jesse Mirko. 
And uh, last year they had a, a season team net of 45.25 yards, and that was a new NCAA record. So they're, they're an interesting special teams team. It's the one thing that they do well. And people remember 2020 where they came in with a bunch of tomfoolery and and tried to like spook Ohio State that way and keep it close. Um, Aaron Cruikshank, who I think you, you already mentioned, he has three career kickoff return touchdowns and another on a punt return. So he can take it back. He used to be at Wisconsin before he transferred to Rutgers. Last three had 102 yards and a touchdown on three catches against Ohio State. So he's got a little something. He's like maybe the next Isaiah Pacheco some, in some ways. You know what I mean? Like the guy who just fl- filters through and some NFL team sees something and, and, and grabs him later in the draft, but not one who's going to make a difference in a lot of Big Ten games. They've got a couple of guys on defense that are um, that have a little bit of talent. And like I said, they, like defensively is what's been keeping them competitive here these first couple of weeks. We don't know who's going to play quarterback then. They've got a guy named Noah Vedrell, who people probably remember from last year but he's missed the first four games due to injury the reporting. I saw earlier this week, Shauna was still kind of up in the air as to who was going to play. Um, he threw for 1800 and some yards last year and is the most by Rutgers quarterback since 2015, which again tells you everything you need to know about the state of the Rutgers program. But they had a guy in last week named Evan Simon who threw for 300 yards, but turned it over three times against Iowa. A little bit of a runner too, right? I th- they ran a little zone read with him. That seemed like it worked at least on one play. They're not playing the Quinn Ewers of Piscataway, Gavin Winsat, who early enrolled last year and is like the future for quarterback for them. He's not the quarterback right now, right? He also got hurt. hurt um, yeah. He played, he oh, started against oh, Wagner. Okay. They played Wagner, mighty Wagner in the second game of the year. And he had some sort of a lower body injury and uh, against, I think the next week against Temple did not, he did not play last week against Iowa. So both he and Vedral were kind of up in the air as to whether they're available on Saturday. So they're on their third quarterback. This is their third string quarterback then. Because Vedral's been around the block. I would assume he is at least was the backup to win set. Oh, great. So they're on the third string quarterback. Okay. Um, Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco in 2019 had 16 carries for 50 yards against Ohio State, 3.1 yards per carry. He ended that season with 18 carries for 102 against Penn State. He opened that season with 20 carries for 156 against UMass. So he was good at times, but he averaged 3.1 yards per carry when he played Ohio State. Um, In 2020, he actually had seven carries for 68 against Ohio State, which is pretty darn good. But I don't know why I only got the ball seven times. Illinois, the next week, he was 20 for 133. So again, even when he was productive against Ohio State in 2020, uh, he only got it seven times. I don't know. Maybe he got hurt or something. I don't remember what happened against uh, Rutgers in 2020. There's there's too many other things that have happened in my life since then to take up space in my brain. And then last year against Ohio State, Isaiah Pacheco, and I don't know what this is, six carries for eight yards. The week before against Michigan, he had 20 carries for 107. Against Illinois, he had 21 carries for 91. Against Indiana, he had 21 carries for 79. But against Ohio State, he had six carries for eight yards. So that's the the Big Ten life against Ohio State, Stephen, of a guy who's got some juice. So and and it was like, I don't know, like it was it's six carries for eight yards last year. And now he's playing for the Chiefs. So no disrespect to Rutgers, but that's why I disrespect their roster. I don't know. Rutgers has some good players. It's just they don't have players who can play well against Ohio State. I think yeah. that's the best way to put that. Well, I listen, I feel for like 2019, 
not only was that a great Ohio State defense, but Ohio State, like the best Rutgers offensive lineman, was also playing for Ohio State that yeah. year. So, like, what's like that almost epitomizes the the uphill climb that Rutgers is going to face in this league forever. I, I did. I spun through like the Iowa Rutgers like highlight reel, like the twenty minute thing that's on YouTube, the and what? I was. Well, it's, it's highlight. plays. I, I, highlights is again a very yeah, loose term. Just like hold a lot there's of loose video. There's the video light. of uh, there's video of people holding a ball running on grass. But they're, th- they're not highlights or lowlights. They're just lights. They're just lights. The light yeah. Yeah. So they had a play in the red zone. It probably was like from the eight yard line or so. They took a couple shots. They didn't get in. It was fourth and four. They went for it. It was in the fourth quarter. The game was pretty much already over. But this was their absolute last gasp. And Iowa had like maybe seven guys up on the line on this fourth and four. And maybe they had eight. They, it, was a, it was a wall of Hawkeyes looking like they were going to come after the quarterback. And then they did the thing where like six of them came and two of them dropped and you didn't know who was coming and who was going to drop. But the result was six guys came, two got through, and the fourth and four play for Rutgers wound up being the quarterback frantically backpedaling as defenders chased him and tried to tear his arms off and he threw harmlessly and complete into the end zone. And I just watched that Nathan and thought like, Oh no, that's what Knowles is going to do like 30 times in this game. And in a, in a, in the ultimate gotta have it moment for the Rutgers offense, Iowa, which again, statistically is not actually a top five defense in the country. I mean, it is statistically not in real life, right? right. but it is a competent, good, probably fair to say defensive team. They had Rutgers head spinning. Rutgers had no idea what to do there. And it just reminded me of like, I don't know how Rutgers is going to score because I think Jim Knowles is going to have them spinning in a circle. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about Ryan Day's decision-making as far as when to put guys in and, and all that stuff in the second half. In the first half, he's pretty ruthless. And I think Jim Knowles is too. I think Jim Knowles wants three and outs without a single yard gained on every play of the first half. If he can manage it somehow, um, if not negative yardage, I mean, he's going to, you think you're right. I think they're going to make life miserable for this guy. And I think the performance of Brown and Johnson last week helps that a little bit, because I think you maybe feel like you can take a little bit of a chance now that these guys have proven themselves. If you were holding anything back as far as giving them some extra help, that's like one more safety that you can bring at this guy this week. And I don't think uh, Rutgers doesn't really have anybody that scares you. Like if you try to get after it and don't get there, I mean, Crookshank is, is pretty good Yeah, and they're going to, but they're going to hit him. Like they try to get him loose, like on tunnel screens and stuff, right. They're going to try to throw quick, throw short and see if he can break a tackle and go. And, but again, for Jim Knowles, Jim Knowles doesn't try to give up zero explosive plays. So maybe Crookshank shakes loose on one because Jim Knowles will take the five sacks on the other hand that he feels like he's going to get if he, if he brings it and gets after Rutgers. Uh, by the way, Rutgers, by the Football Outsiders, F-plus metrics, they are ranked 112th offensively, 102nd defensively, and somehow that comes out to 83rd overall. That I don't know how you're 112 in one thing, 102 in another, and somehow you're 83rd, but like they're not good on either side of the ball. So they did beat BC this year, though, right? Like that, that was not having a good time at Boston College right now. Again, I there are the people that like a a year ago, people were all excited. There's a lot of Jed Fish buzz around Arizona in the preseason, and then Arizona stunk. There was some Jeff Halfley, like Boston College buzz this preseason. I was kind of in a little, I thought Phil Dracovic might be like an interesting quarterback, and like they've been bad. 
So that is an indictment here. We're, we're saying like, I don't even know how Rutgers can stay within 50 points of Ohio state. They beat Boston college. So Jeff Halfley's not getting the Penn state job. So like, whatever, like he, he's got to figure out how to be the Kings of speak of Kings of the North Kings of the Northeast. That's like a little fiefdom within the Kings of the North is like, is it Rutgers? Is it Boston college? Here comes Jim Mora jr. And UConn. Who will own the Northeast? Anything from like, you know, like New York City up to Canada. Maybe there's a school in Canada that could be the king of the Northeast. Maybe like over in, uh, you know, Ottawa. I don't know what Ottawa State. I guess it wouldn't be Ottawa State. It would be Ottawa Province, right? Do you really want to be the king of the Northeast? Because it just doesn't seem like a very fruitful kingdom right now. Well, I mean. If that's where you are and that's all you can be, it's better be the king of something. There's king somebody of- who's like, we're the king of Rhode Island football. It's like, well, I mean, what else <laughs> would we be the king of? <laughs> Everybody wants a crown. You got to, that's the key to life. You got to shrink your zone until you can wear a crown. And you might be like, mm-hmm. right now, I'm the king of my guest bedroom. I don't know what it is. Is it 10 by 11? I still have wallpaper on it from when my kids were babies. This is where I podcast from now. But right now, I am the king of this guest bedroom because there's 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 nobody comes in here except me. So that's what Jeff Halfley and Greg Schiano are a death match for. They're fighting to be the king of an area of college football that nobody actually cares about. And so far, Greg Schiano might be winning. We'll make our picks next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, and Steven. Read our stuff at cleveland.com slash OSU. All right, time for our game picks. Ohio State opened as a 41-point favorite. As we record this, it's down to 39.5. The over-under opened at 60. It is now down to 58. Ohio State, since Rutgers entered the Big Ten, they have scored an average of 54 points per game is what Ohio State has scored. And Ohio State has never scored fewer than 49 points against Rutgers, which is pretty remarkable that there's not even one Nathan of like, well, you know, some stuff went crazy and they only scored 38. They scored at least 49 every single time. The average is 54. That's in one, two, three, four, eight games. Nathan, what's your pick for Ohio state versus Rutgers? I am going to pick against that trend. I'm saying Ohio state 45 Rutgers 10 still a blowout for Ohio state, but that would be taking Rutgers and the points. And it would be the under on the total as we see it right now. And this is a combination of some respect for Greg Schiano and sort of the the culture that I think he's instilling there, regardless of whether the the performance is there yet to get up and actually compete on a toe-to-toe basis with a team like Ohio State. And some of it is what we've talked about earlier on the podcast, which is I think Ohio State might go to Comic Accord earlier in this game and take the foot off the gas relatively earlier than they would in a normal way. So I don't expect this game to be anything close. It might even be Ohio state with like 38 points at halftime and then um, just finishing the game out from there. Okay. That's bold though. I mean, to take the under and Rutgers with the points, it's not a close game, but you're hanging with Greg that counts as hanging with Greg. I do. And I think, I also think that again, there are some reactions, overreactions, underreactions each week and putting up 52 points against Wisconsin might be one of those things that triggers a bit of an overreaction in the line this week. All right, Stephen Means, what you got? Um, they've also never scored more than 58 along that, which means they've never gotten 60. 
I think they're going to get 60 this week, 63 to 10 Ohio state. And it does. I, I agree with Nathan. Sometimes it can be an overreaction, but not when the offense is clicking the way it is period. I mean, they've had at least 50 the last two weeks. Rutgers has no way of slowing down Ohio state's offense. And even if they do go to Kyle McCord, I think they'll go to him early enough to where he's still running the normal offense and maybe he'll put some points up on the board as well and, and contribute to that. So 63 to 10 Ohio state wins. CJ, you know, put up the highest numbers in the first half and Tom McCord showing us a few things in a second. So that is over the point total. And that is giving the 39 and a half with Ohio state. And I'm going to yeah. split you guys right down the middle. I also have 10 for Rutgers. I have 55, 10. So I am taking the over and I am also giving the points. So I'm with Steven on both of those. And I, I agree with like that, what you said, Steven, I think maybe they score a touchdown every drive that CJ Stroud plays. So if that's six or seven drives and that gets you to 42 or 49, or maybe even if CJ plays seven drives and they get six touchdowns in the field goal, that's 45. You, I do think you get to McCord a little bit earlier, but then I think McCord leads a couple scoring drives. So I think the 58 is low because I also don't think they're going to shut them out. Even though Rutgers is playing a third string guy, I just think Knowles will take a couple chances. Ohio State still might be playing some young corners. Maybe something pops. Maybe there's a goofy special teams play where Rutgers gets in good field position. Early in this rivalry, Ohio State was shutting out Rutgers all the time. Uh, the first five games that Ohio State and Rutgers played from 2014 to 2018, Rutgers scored 17, 7, 0, 0, and 3. The last three games, they scored 21, 27, and 13. So if I'm going to give, we all, we're all giving Rutgers 10. Can Ohio State then score 49 to get to the over? I think they can. I, th- I think they can, even pulling back the reins earlier than usual. So we're all in the same range. Nathan, 45-10. Me, 55-10. Steven, 63-10. Those were our picks for Ohio State versus Rutgers. And that's all I got, Nathan unless there's something else that we really need to dive into here. I will say I pulled a bunch of tech subscriber comments about the sec this week, and we did not get to them on rants. We did not get to them on rapid fire. I was going to save them for now, but I'll save them for another day because the Rutgers preview podcast doesn't deserve anything that interesting. So we have, we have Ohio state listeners who like went to a Tennessee game last week and we're describing it. I think it was Tennessee describing in detail what it's like to go to an SEC game and why it's better or not as good as an Ohio state game. Fascinating stuff. I'm not wasting it on the Rutgers preview, Nathan. So one thing you had asked me to do was to go back to market down Monday. Yeah. July 28th or around there before, before preseason camp started when we, did a position by position prediction of who would be in the starting lineup on opening day. Yes. And there were only three positions where any of us were wrong. And it was me that was wrong on all three. Hey, (laughs) but two of them, I would argue may have been injury related. We'll never know. One of them. I think we know for sure was injury related, but, but now that what we know, maybe it shouldn't have been. Now I'm confused. Quit teasing me. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm excited to hear. So one of them was I had predicted Julian Fleming would be the starting Z receiver. Actually, all three of us did. Sorry. All three of us did pick that one. That Fleming would be the starting Z receiver. And because of injury, he did not start the season. So Emeka Abuka was the starting Z receiver on opening night. Okay. Um, and now, as it turns out, Fleming is back in the starting lineup as long as Jackson Smith the jig is out because Abuka is going to keep starting at the slot, I think. 
So I don't know. What, <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I I think that if if he had not been hurt, he would have been the starter on opening night. Julian Fleming. Probably probably fair. Probably fair. Yeah. And yeah. I think Ibuka, <laughs> like, I think we had the right read there. That, and this is, again, before preseason camp. But I think we had the right read that Ibuka was the fourth guy, but a guy who was going to mix in everywhere. And they have talked about it that way after the fact. Okay. Yeah, I think we can put an asterisk on that one being wrong. Yeah. Uh, I had predicted Jordan Hancock would be the other starting quarterback besides Desmond Burke. or Denzel, Denzel Burke. Burke. <laughs> Denzel Burke. And you both said it would be Cam Brown, which was obviously correct. But again, Jordan Hancock was not actually healthy to start the year and is still right. not healthy so that one was a little bit more of a reach i think by me and i probably deserved to just take the l there and then the one that we all three had wrong because i was not yet on the bus was that the starting nose guard would be we all said jaron cage and it was actually my call oh, okay so so what steven and i went 20 of 22 and you went 19 of 22 correct Oh, that's not bad. We I all mean, picked the same people for most of yeah. these positions because this was most things were settled even before the start of preseason camp. I would think nose guard was one. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. There was one other one where I was wrong. That's I remember now that there was one other one where I was wrong. I picked Cody Simon to be the starting Mike linebacker. You both picked Tommy Eichenberg. Oh, okay. And, and now it's not that even the Mike linebacker anymore. Doesn't even play Mike linebacker. Yeah, so that was the other one. I'm sorry that that's where the numbers were. I knew that there were three that I was wrong on. So those are the ones we missed. Okay, but I think it's more. That's not necessarily indicative of genius status by us. It was more mm-hmm. indicative, Stephen, of this team was pretty settled coming into this year, which is what Ryan Day talked a ton about last year. Last year they were really young. And that they worked through a lot of stuff. And then you, we, I think anybody listening would have done almost as well as us. You had a pretty I- good idea coming in of what this team was going to be. Yeah, even I think we could have done that exercise in February and it still would have turned out this way just because they brought so many pieces back. This will be interesting next year when it's not. That, well, it might still be the case because, you know, COVID and all that stuff. But there's going to be a lot more up for grab next year than there was yeah. this coming into this year just because they played so many young guys in 2021. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Thanks for doing that, Nathan. We like uh, checking in and on, on marking it down. I'm actually double checking my own uh, math here. Zach Harrison started on opening night, right? Yes. Him and JT. He did yes. start. He and JT started. Okay. I, I thought that was correct. And then as I looked at it again, I was wondering if that was correct. Cause now as we look at this, look at these 22 positions, like barring injury, do you think there's a chance that any of these change? Like are, barring injury, like everybody's healthy for the Michigan game. What we have now versus what we'll be starting that night, where do you think there's a most likely a change? I think there's a chance that if Jordan Hancock gets healthy or if J.K. Johnson just is great, that something shifts at corner, maybe. Yeah. Well, other than that, I, I think, and I think it, there is a scenario where it could also be Tuimaloa and Sawyer are the starting ends. And Harrison is not a starter at the start of a game. possible. See, possible. but we haven't. And the thing is, we haven't seen that one yet. We've seen Jack and Zach start. And we've seen right. JT and Zach start. We haven't seen them because usually the first series Jack takes the field is he's the Jack. And then he starts doing over defensive end stuff. So that's almost the question there is, is there ever a game where Jim Knowles starts with the Jack from day one? Because then that opens the door for the Jack Sawyer JT right. starting lineup. Okay. We'll monitor that. 
we like uh, we like seeing how we did when we mark it down. So I don't know that we have any other really like market down things that we would have an answer to yet. But as we get answers, we'll continue to revisit those. Make sure you guys listen to the Gambling Preview Podcast, where Tyler Shoemaker and I will talk about Ohio State Rutgers from a gambling perspective and then make our picks from around the country. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprisingly I'm doing terrible. I had a thing last week where my big bet last week was Oregon minus six or seven against Washington State. And it looked like Oregon was going to lose. And then Oregon drove for a go-ahead touchdown, like in the final three minutes to go up by like five. And I still was going to lose my bet. And then Oregon, as Washington State now was trying to come back, Oregon got a pick six. And so now they were ahead by like 12 or 13 or whatever. And I thought I, I thought I won the bet. And then an hour later, I looked and Washington State had scored a touchdown with one second left to lose by five. So I lost my bet. So I never should have won. Then I thought I was going to win. And then I lost. And so you guys can hear more about that on the gambling show, betting the Buckeyes with T-Shoe. We'll be at Ohio Stadium on Saturday. I need to talk to you guys about it. I am considering not going inside. We talked about it. I, I am considering doing. I didn't go into Ohio State Rutgers. Here's what I did instead. We'll have to see if I actually do it. But at the very least, Nathan and Steven will be watching the game. 3.30, right? Is it 3.30 on Saturday? Yep. Good old-fashioned 3.30 kick. Thanks to you guys for listening. Readcleveland.com slash OSU. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.